Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. first met Carolina Hinojosa Cisneros when she submitted an article to a magazine that I used to edit. And I was blown away by the power of her words. And later, when I had my own project to edit, she graciously submitted an essay for me. And she just stayed in the writing world of my life. And I picked up a book the other day and somebody quoted her in it. And I was like, man, I know somebody really cool. And I've just really gotten into her writing, and the things that have been most powerful to me is when she talks about family and her heritage, being a Mexican-American, and her faith. And I want to read for you just a portion of an article called We Survive by Telling Stories, and she wrote it for On Being. You can find it at onbeing.org. I came to know of God in the faithful way stories are carried intergenerationally. In the nook of my grandfather's arm, I learned of Moses and how he freed the Israelites. I wept as my grandfather recounted working in the cotton fields under the laborious sun that nearly turned his body into a leather purse. I learned that even with only a fifth grade education, my grandfather was the most intelligent man I would ever know. The power of story is that it activates an intelligence that can never be learned in a classroom. Generational storytelling is a history book. It's a catalog of all the places we have been. It is a book entrusted to its people to ensure they are not forgotten. I find we remain timeless around the dinner table. Sharing meals is a communal act. We pass around homemade flour and maize tortillas I laugh myself into fits of tears. Around the dinner table, recount tales of jumping off Abuela's roof into the blue sea of our trampoline. We would later realize it was our faith that sprung us before and would always cushion our fall. In high school, gathered around the table, eating cantaloupe, pitted and filled with vanilla ice cream and pecans, Abuela told us about her third grade education. The family business required skills more than what she had to learn in school. Her mathematics worked best at a frutera, erupting with fresh fruits where local folks made trips to the farm market. I learned around her table about women fighting for equal pay, about migrant workers on the farm, and I learned the proper way to give thanks to God before I left the table after a meal. Thanksgiving and sacrifice and lament were at the forefront of our lives. I love this description because you can see the dinner table, can't you? You can feel that family gathered there to share stories. And they remind each other of the memories, of the heritage, of the things that came before so they can build on them. They can build their faith. They can build their love together. Jesus sat around dinner tables with people that he invited in to become family. 
And today we're going to read one of those stories around a dinner table. And we're going to read another tale of when he had to get pretty creative in his storytelling environment. Today, we're going to look at parts of Luke 5 and a little bit of Luke 6. And if you want to head there to follow along with us, we'll recap where we've been. We are in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. And before Jesus began his public ministry, we learned that he was baptized, that he had privately, he was tested with the devil. And just last week, we learned that as he began his public ministry, People started to test him. People had their own expectations of who Jesus should be, who God should be, what he should be doing. And yet Jesus kept having to show them God's true way, his true grace for all people. And he will continue that this week to call them to a bigger, better plan. Today, let's look at Luke 5, and I'll begin reading in verses 1. Three. We'll have them on the screen too. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus had to get a little creative when the crowds got too much. And we're going to look on a map and find Lake Gennesaret. You might know it better as the Sea of Galilee. And we had a map last week, and we saw all of Israel, and we said the body of water up there was the Sea of Galilee. And if you want to zoom in, then you can see that Jesus had been at Nazareth last week. He was in Capernaum this week. And so that's this area, this region that he is teaching from. Now, the geography of the lake is such that it can have a nice amphitheater effect. And this is a great excuse for me to show off a picture that Steve took back in 2005, our very first digital camera, before smartphones. And there is the Sea of Galilee. This is one of the most peaceful photos that I have. There's a tiny little boat out there. It was a very peaceful night. But if you flip to the next picture, you'll kind of see more of the lay of the land. See how there, there were hills surrounding it. And then there was the, the way, there was this kind of that amphitheater effect. Can you see it? So all around the lake was kind of this landscape. And that's how Jesus chose people sitting up on the hill. And he could speak with, to them from the boat. We know that Simon, who was spoken of here, is also, he gets the nickname Peter. And even Luke starts to call him Simon Peter. His name kind of transitions. I'll probably be calling him Peter today. Let's keep reading. After Jesus taught, then he had... A challenge for Peter. When Jesus had finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. They've been out all night, exhausted, no fish. And now this rabbi, I mean, he's not even a fisherman. I'm sure Peter was saying some choice words under his breath like, okay, we're going to do this again. But Jesus had just healed Peter's mother-in-law. He saw this up close. He watched Jesus teach. He was a wise man. So he's like, I'll humor him. Now, I found a little deep dive on fishing this week. 
Go with me. Okay, ancient fishing at night. Researchers say that you would put out this net. And if you can see on the right, there's kind of this mesh net. And they would put it along parallel to the shore, like a giant fence. Think about the chain link fence that you would put. So they're trying to put it up along the shore. On the top, it's held by gourds, so it would float. And at the bottom, there's lead weights, so it would go all the way to the ground. And they just try to make a trap for the fish. And then they would sometimes even paddle their oars closer to the shore to get the fish to swim toward the net. And when they would do, if you flip to the next one, can you see how there are these larger holes on the outside? And then the middle net is the thinner, very tiny mesh. And so you'd want the fish to like swim in, get confused, and kind of create its own pocket. You see how they're wrapped up in there? So that's what they're doing with these nets and why they're very huge. They're like 100 feet long. And they're very heavy, and they're trying to just grab a bunch of fish. So here, let's see what happened. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come over and help them. They came and filled both boats so full of fish that the boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were Simon's partners, and they were all reacting there. So they get all this fish, but then Peter starts talking about his sins, like what's with the subject change here? Well, last week we said that Jesus, he spoke and had authority, and, and demons fled. He spoke over Simon's mother-in-law, her fever was gone. And now he spoke, and all of nature came at him. Because Peter realized this wasn't just like good advice to go out and fish again. Like, like Peter was right there in the boat, and he saw something up close. That there was something special about Jesus, something holy. That even nature moved at his command. And, and in the presence of that holiness, he was gone. He was like, nope, that's too much. I, I don't think I'm worthy to be in your presence. Here's Jesus' response. He said, don't be afraid, Jesus said to Simon. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Those are, are some simple words they left everything. They had a viable fishing business that was doing well and providing them regular income. They left it. They knew how to do this skill. This was familiar. This was known. They had, they had calloused hands and strong arms, and they were ready for this. And Jesus said, follow me into this unknown. You're going to do something new. That can be scary. They left everything. Peter had a mother-in-law, so I'm guessing he had a wife. What did she have to say about this? Hey, I'm off on an adventure for a season. Left everything. Not saying that he wouldn't come back, but he would come back changed. And Jesus saw that their hearts were ready, and that is when he said, follow me, and they left everything. Let's meet the next person Jesus talks to. We're skipping ahead to verse 27 in Luke 5. We're going to meet a man named Levi. Levi was also known as Matthew. 
who happened to write the book of Matthew. So that's who we're talking about here. After this, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, followed him. Just like immediately, like I just, it's so hard. I have plans and I have agendas and I have schedules and I have a job. Levi's job, a little questionable. So the tax collectors at the time, they were not appreciated by their fellow Jewish people because they were seen as the traitors. Tax collectors were the ones working for Rome. Rome is the people occupying the land, the people in power, the people bearing down on the Jewish people in Israel. And the tax collectors are the ones doing their bidding. And of course, it was well known that they were also charging people. It's a little extra, a little bit more than extra. And they had the authority. They're like, well, hey, I've got the connections with Rome. I can send them your way. You can go to jail. You pay me more now. You bribe me now. Or there's trouble for you later. And then they had the extra money in their pocket. And I can imagine that Levi lived a life where it was like, first he was kind of like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I need just a little extra this month. Maybe if I do it just this one time, it'll be fine. And the, it goes again. And the money's too good. So Levi is leaving something very fruitful to his pockets. But he's leaving behind not just a job. He's leaving behind the junk that he's been carrying. That's Levi. Finally, let's eat. Verse 29, Levi, he's gotten to know Jesus. He's met this amazing teacher. He's willing to follow him. And he's like, I want you to come meet my friends. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? If you recall last week, when Jesus spoke to the people at his hometown of Nazareth, they were looking at him pretty strangely because he kept saying, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, other people are welcome into God's kingdom. And they tried to throw him off a cliff. Today's message, he's sitting and eating with people at a table, people who are those people, those people in society, the people that clearly have all of their stuff on display. Well, the Pharisees, you know, they hide it well. They put on a good front. But these people are out there, and Jesus is eating with them because God's grace went beyond non went beyond Jewish people, and now it's going beyond the pretty people, the together people, the religious people. God's grace was bigger. And it's one thing to say, well, you went into that guy's house, and you sat at a table with those people. But after reading Carolina's essay, I really thought about it. Maybe more of the scandal was the fact that if Jesus is sitting around having a meal with people, He's swapping stories, right? And what if he gets to talking? And what if he goes all rabbi and starts teaching people the same stuff he's teaching in a synagogue? What if he's sitting around the table teaching these people, these people? Maybe that was the bigger scandal, was they knew that Jesus wasn't going to hold back in telling stories around a dinner table. 
So if he was willing to share God's truth, that, that opened up a whole new group of people who were welcomed in. But guess what? I think when Jesus called Levi, when he called Peter and James and John and said, come with me, he was preparing them to be storytellers. Later, he's going to send out a whole group of disciples and he's going to say, go into people's homes. Don't take anything with you. So guess what they're going to be doing? Sitting around dinner tables, sharing the stories of their faith heritage, this ancient heritage of a God who redeems, who rescues, who frees from bondage. Those are the stories that are going to be shared around a dinner table. So Levi, Peter, these are our future storytellers here. And they're watching how Jesus did it. Jesus ate with those who invited him in. Let's keep going. How does Jesus respond to this critique? In verse 31, Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, their concern was this. You're eating with people. Do you approve of everything they do? Jesus, he's like, I'm not shy about my goal here. Yes, I enjoy spending time with people. I like these humans. They're made in God's image. They're fun to be around. But I'm going to ask them to do the same thing that you need to do. And that's drop everything and come with me. He's like, you might be good at hiding it, and they're not, but my goal is the same, and my conversation never changes. But he gets up close and personal. Do you see that? He's sitting right there, passing the food, hands in the same bowl. Sorry, before COVID. Jesus is in there, and he's saying, he's not, he's not yelling out from a distance, you over there, change your ways. See ya. He's like, look, I'm going on a journey, and I want you with me. He is not calling them to anything that he has not stepped himself. He's saying, I'm not, he's not even asking them until they've gotten to know him. Do you see that? He's like, I'm sitting here. You can ask me any question you want. We can talk. We can look in the eye. I can see you as a valuable creation of human. You can see me. And then after we've gotten to know each other and you see my heart, you're going to be compelled to say yes. That's the way Jesus did it, up close and personal. That's why Levi want to invite his friends to this table. God's got something. And he says, bring your friends. Let's all go together. We're going to skip over to chapter 6 and read just a few verses. Because we're going to see that as Jesus keeps calling people and he's getting more people willing to buy in, more people are willing to drop everything and follow Jesus. And so we have a large group of followers. There's the crowds, right? The crowds who are curious. They're listening. They're on the outer edge. We've got some people who are starting to like follow along. These are disciples. You've seen that word before. And what he's doing is discipling, which Maybe kind of make up that word to explain, make it a verb, but it's basically like we're, we're learning more about God together. We're growing in our faith, and that's deeper, and that's what we still want to do here today. 
But then there's a select few. There's a few that Jesus is going to prepare to take on greater responsibility. And you might recognize some names. Chapter 6, verse 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him. So just imagine, there's a, there's a bigger group here. And then he chose 12 of them. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John we just read about, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, who we said was Levi earlier, Thomas, we hear about him later, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Even Judas. He was chosen. He was chosen specifically. The number 12 here is significant in Jewish history. There were 12 tribes of Israel. They had some issues. They kind of fell apart. Jesus is starting a new way. He's like, God is doing a new thing, and we've got a new 12. We're going we're gonna to start a new thing here. Now, these, this word apostles, that's going to be significant in the church. When Jesus went back to heaven, the church on earth was started, and we had these leaders, these apostles who led the way. We spent a whole section of time in Acts. Remember that before the pandemic? A long time ago. We spent some time in Acts and we read about these guys leading. But for now, maybe they didn't understand. Maybe they just saw Jesus pouring into them a little bit more. They went a little deeper in their conversations and they probably did not fully grasp what they were committing to yet. But these, this is a group. Notice that Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before, going back to this reminder. Every time Luke is saying, it's not Jesus on a whim making decisions on his own. Because Jesus is not just human, he's God. And he's praying and he's asking God to reveal. All following God's plan. And he cares about this decision. And these people are chosen specifically. We want to note there's no women on the list. You know, we can make an education, educated guess why. Jesus pours into women. He's going to give them different roles in his ministry. They're not among these 12. They're going to be ones teaching later in the church, Priscilla taught in the book of Acts. Just not here for these 12 for some reason, but they're coming. So there we have it. Jesus told stories. He shared meals. Every time he was calling people to something greater than themselves. Back to my friend, Carolina, at the beginning, when she talked about growing closer to her family and her heritage through meals and storytelling, she saw about more than just her immediate family. Let me end with a quote. These stories were part of our evolving faith and relationship with the Most High. In them, she said, I found that God labors with us, for us, and never against us. We tell stories at evening meals, lunch reunions, and when a family is gathered to share more than meals and gossip. This is what it is to be a church. Preserving our stories preserves our faith. I like that visual. I want you to think of right now some of your favorite people 
to have a meal with. Think about it. You can close your eyes if you want, and you can imagine. If you can invite your favorite people around the biggest table you could get, some of them may be related to you. Some people may not. Think about the stories you've shared, how many times you've laughed until you've cried over a meal. Think about the times that you just found strength in one another because you had something to share, and it was difficult, but the food and the fellowship got you through. Think about the truth, the tears, the laughs. Now imagine one of those valued people, your closest people. If they ask you for something, they have a need. You probably drop everything and say, yeah, because you care about them. You have a relationship. There's a way that you give and take for one another, so you're willing. Or maybe they're like, I've got this great adventure. Will you join me? Again, you probably would say yes, because you have You have this relational capital with them that you've built over time. You have this love that you would do whatever for them. That's what Jesus is inviting us to. To come to the table. Get to know me. Get to know one another. Then Then let's go. Let's go. And we've been talking every week that we are on this journey. And as the journey of the redeemed, what are we called to do? This week, I think we're called by this story. I see we're supposed to drop everything. Drop everything. Sometimes that's easier said than others. Sometimes it's easy because I get to drop fears and worries and all the stuff I don't want to carry. I get to drop it at Jesus' feet and he says, I'm going to carry that with you. I'm going to help you deal with some of it, get rid of some of it. The other stuff you still have to carry... I'm going to carry it with you. You're not alone. That might seem easy. I've been waiting to dump that for years. Maybe the disciples here were like, yes, that's the first reason why they said yes. Could you drop some stuff? The tricky parts are like, you're going to have to drop some other stuff. Some coping mechanisms you've been holding on to. Walls you built up. Habits. Dangerous substances. Because you kind of thought you needed to hold on to those to like make it through. And Jesus is like, you, you can drop that too. I'm here with you now. I, I'm your person. The tricky part is that some of those are real nice to hold on to. I mean, that's why we picked them in the first place. It was comfortable. It was easy. It was helpful. Felt good at the time. And now, now it's a burden. Now it's something I can't let go of. Now I need it, this thing. And Jesus is like, just, just let go a little bit okay. Levi. He'd held on to that. Mm, it's a nice, nice wealthy situation here. He kind of held on to those bad habits of, well, I could just, just deceive and ask for just a little more. And Jesus is like, let, let go. You can do it. So that's a little tricky. And hmm. the most difficult part is, is letting go of the good things. Jesus is like, you got to be willing to let go of the good for the better. He's like, some of the good things you're going to get back. And you're going to be a different person when you receive it back. Some things are going to be brand new. But if you've been in a relationship with anyone, work relationships, you've got friendships, you've got family, you've got people you take care of, you're in a caregiving relationship, and every one of those requires work. 
it's good, but it's just, it's just more, right? Just, when you invite somebody into your life, it's just something else. There's the unexpected. But you're willing to love through that sacrifice, and you're willing to let go of some of the things that you want because you are trying to be in partnership with someone else. You've all experienced that. That's what Jesus is like, here, we're in a relationship. He's going to give some stuff. We're going to have to give some stuff. Sometimes that's hard to say, right? Sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear the part where I have to do the thing. That's, what, that's what's required. We've got to do some stuff. But you know what? Every time. Jesus does not ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done. Jesus dropped everything. He probably had a pretty good gig. Chilling out as God, doing the God thing. And the Father says, it's time. So he dropped everything. Came to earth. He dropped like amazing peace and came and was born as a helpless baby. He lived for 30 years just doing life on earth before the important stuff even began. Right? That's a long time to just live in a body. In a body that hurts, in a body that cries, in a body that feels pain. But Jesus dropped everything. He dropped everything to try something new. God never tried to be a human before. That was his adventure. And he did it. And he invites us. He says, come, join me. Drop some things. Drop all the things. And I'll go with you. He's not leaving us. He sent his spirit into the world to be with us so that we would have God on our journey with us so that we don't go alone. And you know what? Once we do, once we do all these things, Jesus is like, let's eat. Let's hang around at a table and let's talk about God. Let's share some stories. Let me reveal to you who the Father is. And then he says, invite somebody else to the table too. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for caring about us so much that you dropped everything and came to be with us. Thank you that you invite everybody to the table. The people who seem like they know what they're doing, the people who have no clue, the people who try really hard at being human and people who admit that they don't have it all together. Thank you for inviting us all to share a meal, to get to know you, invite you, you invite us to follow you. It's hard, God, we like to hold on to things because it's easy and it's visible and it's known. We can't see what you have planned for us, so it's hard. But help us to just, like, unclench our fists today. Just unclench our hands just a little bit. Start to release things to you. We thank you and trust you with our future. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person... We meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. 
Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.